0: which the sermon today is based. We're going to read from the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 12 through to verse 30. Here is the word of God. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You bearing witness about yourself, your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not true. But no one rested him because his hour had not yet come. Verse 21, so he said to them again, I'm going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below, I'm from above. You are of this world, I'm not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world that I have heard from him. They did not understand what he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. As He was saying these things, many believe in Him. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Friends, we are in the middle of a long sermon series, Come and See Jesus, from the Gospel of John. So we're going through the Gospel of John slowly, and it will be towards Christmas and over through to the New Year. And today, we are in a section of a long arguments with the religious leaders that Jesus had. And it started from chapter 7 through to chapter 8. Actually, it will go on until chapter 10. But today, we are introduced to the second statement that Jesus made about himself, I am the light of the world. I am the light from above. So I want to go through these uh, verses with you under the three subheadings. The first one is the need to see the light of the world. My, my clicker is down there, so I have to rely on um, the guy at the back, uh, David, to help me with the uh, PowerPoints. The need to see the light of the world. And the second one is why we cannot see the light of the world. And the third one, how we can see the light of the world. So the need and why we can't see it and how we can see the light of the world. So let's go uh, with the first one, the need to see the light of the world. Friends, we seem to have more and more light festivals in Melbourne. There's the classic New Year's Eve fireworks, of course. But also now, there is Winter Light Festival in August, typically held around the Fed Square, um, and, and that area, and also in different regions across the state of Victoria. An explosion of light filled with music and visual effects. Now imagine standing in that crowd during one of those light festivals in Melbourne, and then suddenly, there's a man standing there, grabbing a microphone and said, I am the light of the world. Now that's essentially what Jesus did in a light festival called the Feast of Tabernacles in John chapter 8. Those of you who are familiar with Jesus' teaching method, he always used his surrounding to get his lesson across, to get his message to be understood by his hearers. In that festival, in that Feast of Tabernacle, people danced through the night, singing songs and praises to God who had led his people through the wilderness. The Israelites, for 40 years, all that great rejoicing took place under four huge lambs in the temple's court of women, which shone so bright, it illuminates the entire city of Jerusalem. Just imagine that great scenery. So the light in the face of tabernacle evoked this memory of the pillar of cloud and pillar of fire, which was God's presence among his people and his provision for his people in the wilderness. And this is what we are told in Exodus 13:21. In the next slide, you will see uh, the first day. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. So the feast of tabernacle where Jesus was helped the Israelites to commemorate what happened in the wilderness a long time ago? Now, the desert, obviously, is a dangerous place to be. It was a dangerous place then. It is still a dangerous place today, because it is incredibly hot during the day, and the heat actually can kill you. At night, it is going to be pitch dark. You can't see anything, and it's so cold as well. But God himself is the pillar of cloud that shaded his people from the killer heat. And God himself is the pillar of fire that enabled his people to see and gave them warmth at the same time. So his presence day and night reveals his unparalleled glory. The glory of the very presence of God in the cloud led people to the promised land, and protected them from those who would destroy them. And now, Jesus said that he is that Shekinah glory of God. As prophesied, uh, prophesied by the prophet Isaiah, Jesus is the servant of the Lord who was appointed as a light to the Gentiles that he might bring God's salvation to the ends of the earth. And that's why, friends, he declared, I am the light of Of the world. When you see me, you see God. That's basically what Jesus said. Now, what does it mean? What does it mean for us? I have a a, a picture, a slide of the pillar of cloud and fire in the next uh, slide. The Bible tells us time and again that the world that we live in today is like a wilderness, it's a dangerous place to be. Because we live in a fallen world. It's a world that is filled with sin. Not only the sins in other individuals, in ourselves, but also the sins in the systems and culture and the structures of whatever organizations that we are in, in the workplace, even at home. It is a dangerous place like a wilderness Because it is a fallen world, it is a place of confusion, it is a place of pain, it is a place where evil seems to reign, it is a place where violence seems to happen almost every day. Now what Jesus is saying is that he is the shade of the killer heat of your conscience when we know that we are sinful human beings our conscience will eat us alive because we always feel guilty I mean last week we remember the sermon when this sinful woman was preoccupied by guilt by her conscience that accused her you are sinful Jesus Is saying that he is the shade of the killer heat of your conscience. If you belong to him, he's the cloud that not only would shield your guilt, but also remove your guilt all together. But not only that, as a pillar of fire, he is your constant guide that tells you where to go. Friends, we're always confused, right? If you are coming to Melbourne to study, right? We confuse what subjects we want to take or should we take. You confuse whether you have to stay here or go back home, wherever home might be for you. We are confused as to whether or not I should date that guy or say no outright. There are so many things that makes us confused. We do not know whom to listen. We listen therefore to the voice of culture. We listen to the voice of our friends, and sometimes they are very misleading because they change all the time. We do not know where we're going because we are in a place that are so confusing. There are so many options in this world, and many of those options are Not what God wants you to go to. But Jesus is that guiding light and because He is the Word made flesh, He is the Word that will guide you. So that's what it means when Jesus said, I am the light of the world. The light will guide you wherever you go. You will know when to stop and when to go just like the Israelites in the wilderness. And therefore, friends, we need, we need to see that light of the world. Otherwise, we're going to be like Alice in Wonderland, confused, and we're going nowhere because of that. The second point I want to share with you why we cannot see the light of the world why we cannot see the light of the world. If you notice, when I read the passage for you, at least seven times in this um, few uh, verses, Jesus points to the fact that he is from the Father, he speaks on the authority of the Father, he is going to the Father, and he does nothing on his own. He claims, in other words, that his authority is not owing to any human origin, It is owing to his relationship with God, the Father. But why did Jesus have to mention it repetitively? Why did he have to keep saying that I am from above, that I and my Father are one? Why did he keep saying that? Because the religious leaders continued in their unbelief, accusing Jesus and belittling Jesus at least four times. In the next slide, you will see their responses, the religious leaders' uh, responses when Jesus said about who he was. The first one, uh, they said in verse 13, in the next slide, you will see coming up shortly, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true verse 19, they said, where is your father? And verse 21, will he kill himself when he says, where am I, where I'm going, you cannot come? And finally, verse 25, who are you? In each of these objections, ridicule in fact, we know the hearts of these religious leaders. Let me just go through each one of these four very briefly. The first one, you're bearing witness about yourself, your testimony is not true. See, this is a response to the claim that Jesus is the light of the world. He just proclaimed that he was the light of the world. But the Pharisees couldn't see it. They couldn't see his light. It was because they were blind, not because the light of Jesus failed to shine. See, if you can see clearly, you don't need someone to prove the light. You simply see it. Currently, you can see there's a light from the sun, right, coming from the uh, left-hand side of where I stand or right-hand side where you see it. You don't need someone to prove, yes, there is light, because you can simply see the light. See, light establishes its claim not by arguments, but just by shining. And that's what Jesus did. The passage prepares us, to see the artworking of Jesus' claim to be the light through a miracle of a blind man made to see, which we will see next week by God's grace. So in verse 17 and 18, this just continued when Jesus knew the Jews demand two witnesses in order to satisfy their court of law. So that's why Jesus said, the two witnesses were he himself and the father. So if you are in a court of law, you need two people to corroborate what you said. Jesus is saying, yes, I have two witnesses. It's me, myself, and my father. But then you see the response that they had? Where is your father? Now this is an insult. This is a deep Cutting insult because you are asking about one's paternal father. If you remember the controversy around the virgin birth, people were asking, that was not a miraculous conception, but it's an impure one. Where is your father? Who is your father? So that is a deep insult to Jesus. And then Jesus continued in verse 21, I'm going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin where i'm going you cannot come obviously when jesus said i'm going away he's referring to his death goes away to his father and these leaders will keep looking for the messiah that was promised they did not believe that the messiah is jesus so they will keep on looking that's why jesus said i'm going away and you will continue to seek me but you will die in your sins. And look at what their response was. They said, will he kill himself since he says where I'm going you cannot come. Another insult because the Jewish rabbis at the time thought that the lowest level of hell was reserved for those who committed suicide. So if you take your own lives, they teach people that you will go to the lowest level of hell. So by asking, or by saying, is he going to kill himself? They're basically saying that Jesus deserves, therefore, to be in the lowest level of hell. And the last thing that they said, who are you? As if Jesus never claimed who he was all this time. See, these questions are not genuine questions. Some questions aren't used to discover the truth. They are used to resist the truth and to refuse to believe. I want to share with you these words which are quite succinct and apt to capture the hearts of the Pharisees. It comes from a guy called William Lane Craig. He's an apologist. Uh, in, in the next slide, he, this is what he wrote. No one in the final analysis fails to become a Christian because of a lack of arguments. He fails to become a Christian because he loves darkness rather than the light and wants nothing to do with God. The religious leaders fail to see the light of the world because they love darkness. Not because they lack evidence, not because they lack arguments, but because they love darkness and they refuse to see the light. You see, the light exposes and reveals their sins, and they don't like it. Jesus makes this actually very clear in John 3:19 which we saw months ago and this is a judgment the light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil so we were in love with the darkness and rejected Christ so friends Jesus comes and shines on every person in the world and divides the human race into two categories, those who hate the light and those who receive the light. Those who cannot see the light and those who can see the light. And can, can I ask you, where are you this morning? Have you seen the light of the world? Or have you been refusing to see the light of the world? This is what the Reformers, because we are um, commemorating the Reformation today on Reformation Sunday. This is what the Reformers call total depravity, or more accurately, radical corruption of our hearts. The idea of total depravity doesn't mean that we as human beings, can be as wicked as we can possibly be, but it means that sin has permeated every single area of our being. Sin has captured and grips our human nature. It affects our bodies. That's why we become ill and we die. You know, the reason we die in this world is because of sin. Otherwise, we are created not to die. But we die as human beings because of sin. So, sin has corrupted our body. Sin has also corrupted our minds and our thinking. We still have the capacity to think. But the Bible says the mind has been darkened and weakened. This Sin has also corrupted the will of man. It's no longer in its original state of moral power. Our will is now in bondage. We are enslaved to evil impulses and desires of our hearts. So you see, friends, the will, the body, the mind, indeed the whole person has been infected by the power of sin. The corruption occurs at the root of our human nature, the core of our being, the very center of our Existence. That's why we need to see the light of Christ. We do not need just simply behavioral modifications, but we need regeneration from inside because we have a very dark place within our hearts, within our minds. We have to have that light go through deep in our hearts and our minds and regenerate us from the inside out. That's why Jesus said, unless you believe that I am he, in the next slide you can see the verse, you will die in your sins. Unless you believe that I am he, that I am the light of the world, that I am the light from above, you will die in your sins. So that would put human beings in two different categories either you die in your sins or if you have seen the light you will die to your sins there are no other groups there are no other categories in this world either you die in your sins or you die to your sins And that actually is a logical thing to say because if we do not want to follow Jesus on earth, then we will not want to follow Jesus to heaven. If we express no desire to follow him on earth, what would make us think we would follow him to heaven? Now, if you've been with us for a few months going through the Gospel of John, there's something that you would not be able to escape Jesus made these obnoxious claims, these, these extreme claims. And this is just one of them, right, of the many claims that he made. He said, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Now, that's a radical claim. Imagine if someone saying, in the corner of uh, Burke Street, Unless you believe in me, you will die in your sins. That's a radical claim, isn't it? But that's what Jesus said. One of the um, authors that I've been following when I was a young Christian and learned a lot from him was John Stott. And in his book, Basic Christianity, He wrote in the next slide that the most striking feature of the teaching of Jesus is that he constantly talks about himself. This is what he wrote. John Stott wrote, The self-centeredness of the teaching of Jesus immediately sets him apart from the other great religious teachers of the world. Because these religious teachers of the world, they are self-effacing. They do not want to talk about themselves, but Jesus talked about himself all the time. He was self-advancing. They, The uh, religious uh, leaders, they pointed men away from themselves, saying, that is the truth so far as I perceive it. You follow that truth. But Jesus said, I am the light. Follow me. The founder of All the ethnic religions in the world never had the courage to say such a thing like Jesus. The personal pronoun forces itself repeatedly on our attention as we read his words from uh, Jesus' lips. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, and so on and so forth. See, why is Jesus always talking about himself? Well, there are a few possibilities. Number one, he's a lunatic. He's a crazy person. You just have to ignore him completely. But what if, what if what he said is completely true? Because no other teachers made those bold claims. If Jesus is who He claimed to be, then it's a game changer, and it changes everything. It should reorient your lives. It should reprioritize everything that you have in your life because He said, I am the light of the world. Unless you believe that I am the light of the world, you will die in your sins. But if you do believe Him, then your life should be changed accordingly. So how can we see that light? That's the last point, the third point. How can we see the light of the world? How can we get that light of the world? Jesus said, and this is in 12b, verse 12b, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, if you notice, friends, the word follow there, It doesn't mean that we have to emulate Jesus. It doesn't mean that we just follow his teachings and follow his examples, but it's much more than that. The word follow is more profound here because he explained that further in verse 28. Jesus said to them in verse 28, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. You know that who I I am who I claim to be, that I am God, that I am the Messiah. Now, growing up as a Christian, I remember when I, when I uh, look at that, that verse, lifted up, I thought it means, you know, when you are in worship service like this, and then you sing to Jesus and he is lifted up, and people will come to him because we sing praises to Jesus, but that's not what it means. And we know that from John 12, 32, because Jesus himself explains what it means. It says this, and I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So this obviously referred to the way Jesus died, and that is by crucifixion, by his death on the cross. So Jesus is basically saying to these religious leaders and to you today, if you don't believe him, if you keep challenging his claims, you will die in your sins. But Jesus is saying, you can kill me on Friday, and then you said, another one, bite the dust, right? But come Sunday, you know that death does not have the power to hold Jesus. On the other hand, crucifying Jesus only began a global movement of the gospel that got bigger and bigger and bigger each time. Jesus is saying to follow him, you must come and see Jesus lifted up on the cross. This is where the gospel comes in. This is how the gospel relates to us. This is why we have to be gospel-centered. To follow Jesus is to come and see him, crucified on the cross it's not enough to follow his example because you know you will never be able to follow his incredibly high standards you need to come and see Jesus as your Messiah who perfectly lived the life you cannot live and yet died the death you should have had because of your sins and that's why the hymn writer aptly captured behold The man upon a cross. My sin upon his shoulders. It was my sin. Not Jesus' sin. It was my sin that held Jesus on that cross until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. Friends, Jesus is the light of the world, but he was abandoned in the dark for you so that you can live in his light. He was utterly abandoned, even though he had a perfect relationship with the Father, for your sake, so that you can see him and you can live in his light. I want you to finally see the responses of Those people who heard about this conversation in verse 30, and it's not on the slide, but in verse 30, after Jesus being ridiculed, being interrogated by the religious leaders, there are people who listen in, and verse 30 says this, as he was saying these things, many believe in him. Many believe in him. What made them believe in Jesus is the words of Jesus, not the miracles. They listen to the words of Jesus. Faith comes from hearing, indeed, hearing the word of Christ. And that's my prayer this morning for all of you. You may come to church service today as someone who doesn't believe in Christ, but you may go away from the church service today as someone who believes in Christ. You can go away receiving salvation in Christ alone, by grace alone, and through faith alone. So if you're not yet a believer, may that happen to you this very morning. You believe in the light of the world. If you have been a Christian for many years, let me ask you this, have you been following Christ and walked in his light. Because follow has the connotation of complete surrender, complete submission to Jesus as Lord. The word Lord means curious, means master. So he is not only your savior who saves you from the penalty of sin, but he's also your master. You no longer have Agenda and ambitions in your life because your life now is like a clean sheet of paper and you said, Lord, what do you want me to do now with my life? That's going to be my priority. That's going to be my agenda. That's going to be my ambition, Lord. Whatever you want me to do with my life. Have you been following him like that? And as the Israelites followed the pillar of cloud, and pillar of fire in their journey throughout the wilderness. They know that they have to stop when the Lord stops, and they have to move on when the Lord moves on. Do you live like that? Or do you make decisions to do this and to do that, to buy this and to buy that, to move here and there, without asking the Lord as if your life is yours? to do whatever you like with. But your life has been bought by Christ. And following Him means you ask Him, Lord, should I go or should I stay put? That's what it means to follow the Lord. And if you have been kind of acknowledging Him him as your Savior, but do not really involve Him and let Him control and direct your life. This morning, friends, come back to Christ and acknowledge Him as the Lord of your life. Let us bow our heads and ask for His grace and mercy.